Good morning, everyone, slash you could be listening to this in the evening. Welcome to episode 90-something, probably 94, who knows. Um, Today is going to be a very good day. Today's going to be a great day because we're talking about green flags, what to look out for in a partner that you actually like. So instead of looking for all the negative traits, instead of being like, okay, because I've spoken so much about red flags and of course it's super important to know what a red flag is, obviously, but I think it's also really important to know what a green flag is. So this is kind of the flip side of that. I'm going to be talking about, you know, the really good signs in somebody that shows that they are going to be a good long-term partner. Some of these things can also apply for friends, but I am definitely basing this around romantic relationships. Also, I'm going to be going into, after I go through, I think I've got like 16 or something of these green flags, um, I'm also going to go into what we might think is a green flag but is not, okay? And I'll explain that in a little bit more detail. But this idea that people think that if someone's a good partner, they should be doing this but it's not necessarily the case. There's certain things that are expected from a partner and people think might be really good, but in reality, if they don't display these traits, it still doesn't mean anything. Like they could still be a great partner. So sometimes there, there are fake green flags out there that I don't think should be considered a good, a necessarily a good trait, but more so maybe just a neutral trait that a partner would have, okay? So we're going into that as well. Um, just do a quick weekly update on me. Uh, I've just started to get into a better routine training. I'm loving it. I've started boxing again with Ash. If you guys listened to the episode with Ash ages ago now, like months ago, she I do one-on-one boxing with her and it is a strong vibe. We were actually thinking about doing, if you guys live in Sydney, doing um, maybe a big outdoor kind of workout session or some, something like that. So I'll keep you guys posted on that because I think it'd be really cool to get people together and all do a workout and a little meditation together, something like that. I'm kind of just like um, sharing my thoughts with you as I go. But yeah, that's about it with my week. My friend, oh my God, my friend Carly came back from LA now that – We can fucking finally have people entering Australia again from other countries. And so Carly's Aussie, but she's lived in LA for years. She's got the green card. Oh, no, no, I lied. She's now a US citizen. She just got her citizenship. And anyway, when I was living in LA, I lived with Carly and she is just such a good time. And I feel like I'm going to try maybe to get her in for an interview on the podcast. She is an absolute vibe. She won the green card, moved over to the States, was doing acting for a long time. I actually met her through my cousin Giselle and she's known my cousin Giselle for for like 10 or 11 years. They did a lot of acting together. And then she did a full-on career change and now she manages actors and she's kind of gone from strength to strength being an actor manager in the US and I think like in LA and I think that it would be – She'd be a really cool person to talk to about career change, going out on your own, um, yeah, just really taking these big leaps, which she's done that. And yeah, so 100% I'm going to aim to get her on the podcast. Now, let's go into a brain fact of today. What I want to be talking about is how do neurons work? And I'm, I'm not going to be talking about the the whole how neurons work. In particular, I'm going to be talking about action potentials, which are also called nerve impulses, okay? So basically, when cells communicate to each other, an action potential must occur for for information to be sent from one cell to the next cell, okay? And this action potential goes down something called an axon. And the axon is the part of the cell that sends information, and then you've got dendrites which receive information. And then you've got the cell body, blah, 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 okay? But 
we're talking about what's occurring in the axon, in the sending portion of the cell. Really important to understand how this works because then things start to make a bit more sense when I talk about different chemicals, when I talk about myelin and the importance of fat for the brain, all that stuff, okay? So you've got... Basically, it's movement across the cell membrane, okay, this axon. This membrane is covered in all these channels, and the channels allow sodium and potassium to pass through, okay? And these can be negatively charged and positively charged. And in most cases, these channels or these gates are closed. They're in this closed conformation, and that's also known as a resting state. So they're ready to be activated by pressure or a chemical or whatever, Now, when these channels are closed, the inside of the cell has a negative charge and the outside is positively charged. So outside of the cell, you've got a more positive charge and inside it's around, the the resting state sits at around negative 70 millivolts compared to the outside. So it's in a polarized state and you want to think of polarized as there being like separate poles, like opposites, one's positive, one's negative, okay? An action potential or a nerve impulse is caused when there's some sort of input or some sort of disturbance to that plasma membrane, okay? This causes the sodium channels, those, those gates, to open and it allows an influx of positively charged sodium ions to flow into the membrane, right? Therefore, you make the inside of the membrane positively charged. Where Before it was sitting at negative 70 millivolts, now you're getting an influx of positively charged ions into the cell and then it becomes positively charged as well. Therefore, you depolarize and just think depolarize because there's now you don't have those two poles. You don't have the two opposites anymore. It's positively charged in and it's positively charged outside, okay? Then after this impulse, the potassium channels open and allow positively charged potassium to flow out. So then the inside of that axon then becomes negative and therefore polarized again. That is an action potential where you're having these moments of polarization and depolarization flow down the axon and you want to imagine it kind of like a Mexican wave, okay? So it happens at the start. So one one section depolarizes, polarize, and it's kind of like a, like a, imagine an impulse that gets kind of propagated down this axon. I, I kind of like to think of it like either a ripple or a Mexican wave to me is the best way to visualize what that looks like. So sometimes these, these, um, that process where you're allowing the, the positively charged potassium to flow out, so you're getting it back to that negative resting state. Sometimes they stay open for a bit longer, therefore causing you to go even more negative and you drop below that baseline of your resting state. It gets even more uh, polarized and that's where you call it, it's called hyperpolarization when that happens. And when you're in that hyperpolarized state, it becomes inactive, that those cells become inactive, it can't be activated or it's called refractory. And that just lasts for a very short time, but no activity can occur that you can't then reactivate it for that short period of time. It then waits to get back to its resting state, which could be milliseconds, it could be seconds, um, and then it can be activated again and the whole thing can happen again. So that is pretty much an action potential. You're getting that whole series of activity or events occurring down the axon and that kind of, it's like, it's not, but it's like 
electricity. You know, it's like this, this signal being sent down to the end and then you get that communication from cell to cell. Now, this is where it's important for, for when I talk about the importance of fat in the brain and I talk about something called myelin, there's these cells which are not neurons. They're called glial cells and there's 10 glial cells to every neuron. There's so many of them and they're like the scaffolding and the support structure, health, whatever for all the neurons. They provide everything for the neurons. One, There's many kinds of them, but one kind of glial cell is called an oligodendrocyte and this cell just produces myelin and myelin wraps around the axon. So exactly what I just told you of that whole polarization and whatever, this myelin, it's called myelin sheath. It's fat, like a fatty ribbon and it wraps around the axon, but in, in sections. So you get like a kind of a ribbon wrapped around, then you get a gap and then you get another ribbon wrapped around and a gap and it keeps going all the way down the axon. And that speeds up the impulse that speeds up the action potential that nerve impulse the activity you make it much quicker much more efficient and much higher chances of that nerve impulse reaching the end um, and having a, a potential action onto the next cell if you don't have myelin then that impulse dies it doesn't reach the end it's kind of like pressure on a hose the more pressure you have on a hose the more intense that the, the water can flow out to the other side. If the hose is like way too wide or if there's like all these holes in the hose, then by the time that, that the water tries to reach the end, it's lost most of it if it, it even reaches the end, okay? That's kind of how you want to imagine the action of myelin on the cells. And this is made up of fat. So it is absolutely crucial to keep up the fat in your brain, to keep up obviously fat within your diet as well. And then if you've got diseases that attack the myelin, it's called, they're called demyelination diseases um, of the central nervous system. And MS is actually the most common one. And basically it's where your immune system attacks the myelin sheath or the cells that produce and maintain the myelin sheath. So that then causes there to be a lack of communication between cells within the brain. So then you might have deficits in motor or in speech or in hearing or wherever it has been attacked within the brain, you're going to see um, problems or deficits in, you know, abilities in those areas. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. That's the brain fact for the day. I thought it'd just be interesting to kind of give you a more in-depth explanation of how, you know, a signal gets sent from one cell to another cell. I find that shit really interesting. Now let's get right into the topic of today, which of course is top, I don't know how many, I'll figure it out later, green flags to look out for in a person. Okay, so number one, this person does not rely on you for happiness. If you see that this person is A, happy and would be happy still even if you guys weren't dating, if you see that they are always in, like working on themselves that make them happy, whether they practice things like self-care, they've got hobbies, they've got, you know, whatever, that is a green flag. If they are saying things like, you are my happiness, you are this, you are that, that is weirdly, even though it sounds like a compliment, that is ultimately going to be a red flag. You don't want to feel like you have to provide happiness for this person because they, A, it's, it's not possible. You can't make them happy. You can share in each other's happiness and experience it together, but you cannot make somebody else happy. So make sure that they don't rely on you for happiness. And that also goes for in a long-term relationship. If they're making you feel that they can only be happy if you're doing something with them or they need you around in order to be happy, then of course that's a problem. So the green flag is they don't rely on you for happiness. Number two, they understand that your time is your time. 
So they don't try and own your time. They don't act like they are entitled to your time. Examples of this would be where they ask you if you have upcoming plans for the week instead of presuming. Like something that's so frustrating is where you have made a plan for the weekend, right? And then it gets to later in the week, your partner's never mentioned wanting to do something. So you probably like, maybe it slipped your mind to say, oh yeah, I'm having lunch with with my friends. And then it comes around and your partner's like, oh, but I thought that we were going to spend the day together. And it's like, fine for you to think that, but you then can't project that onto me because you didn't say, what are your plans for the weekend? We didn't discuss spending time together for you to just presume and it be a given is not my problem, you know. It's this idea of, oh, if if you didn't tell me that you were doing something, then you should be spending your time in the relationship. You should be spending your time with me or in the relationship or whatever. So if you notice that you, you're dating somebody that's always kind of, you know, not not having to lock you in, but always being like, plans for the weekend. Did you want to chill and hang out? And you feel like, oh, I've actually got like lunch, whatever. They're like, oh, yeah, cool, cool, cool. I'll whatever, I'll do something else. That's a massive green flag. Definitely look out for that. Number three, they give you space, okay? This is similar to the the time thing, but a little bit different in the sense that they understand if you just want to spend a night by yourself, they're cool with that. They don't take offense to that. If they, if they, if you say, oh, I just want to really go and see my friend and spend some time with them one-on-one, they're like, amazing, that's great. This idea that they don't get offended if you want to and you choose to make plans without them. They don't take that as an attack or a stab. They just take it for what it is. They're secure about it and they're like, love that for you enjoy, have a good time. That's what I mean about they give you space. They understand that you have needs that need to be met that they cannot fulfill, okay? And every single person is multidimensional. They cannot get all their needs met by their partner. So a green flag is a partner that understands that. Number four, they accept feedback. Yes, it's hard for everyone to be pulled up on something and whatever, but the difference is they might, okay, they might get a little bit offended or whatever, but they are open to talking about it. They are open to be like, okay, you're annoyed that I've done that. Let's just at least chat about it. That's a very, very good trait for someone to have. The opposite would be someone that gets really offended or someone that then feels that they need to um, pull you up on something that's irrelevant to it. So they feel that there's an even playing field, but someone that can accept feedback independently without feeling the need to stab back at you about something that they didn't like that you did. That's a green flag. Okay. Uh, number six, they are excited, genuinely excited for your wins or they're genuinely excited for your personal growth. Okay. And this can be shown in many ways. A really big one is look at if they share what your achievements and what you've done to their friends and family, they're proud of you. They, they want to kind of, they want to, they want to be on the journey with you supporting you. They don't feel like they have to be a part of that success. They're happy to kind of just support from the sidelines and let you shine in that particular thing. That's independent from, of course, working together on things and of course, like succeeding together as a couple, but they are happy for you to go on and do your own thing and be successful and and they want to help you in any way possible. That is crucial that you find that in a partner, a partner that doesn't celebrate your wins or dismisses it by being like, Oh, I don't understand that stuff anyway. (laughs) You know, 
instead of being like, wow, that's amazing, that's a great achievement, wow, that's really intelligent, that was really smart that how you were able to do that, you know, things like that, instead of dismissing it being like, well, I don't get it, so, I mean, that's great, pay attention to that kind of language. Is there jealousy? Uh, is there a jealous undertone or are they genuinely happy for you? Do they get excited? Do their eyes light up when you tell them about something that happened that only benefits you? Or do they only get excited if they are on the receiving end, directly on the receiving end of that benefit? Number seven, now I'm going to explain myself a little bit more in detail in a sec, but number seven, they don't get uncomfortable when you mention your past or your ex. They're just fully comfortable. Now, the disclaimer here is that there's a big difference with someone that's always talking about their ex, always talking about their relationship problems and dramas, bringing it up just a little bit too often or drawing comparisons. That's toxic. But I'm talking about like if you're if you're just talking about a situation and you want to say, you want to relive a memory, being like, oh my God, I went here with my ex once and blah, 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 blah. If they don't even blink at that and they don't mind because they understand that your ex was a part of your life for a while and there's going to be memories that include your ex and there might be situations that it might be relevant or there might be things that you want to open up about and be like, you know, for example, if, if you want to be dead honest and say, look, I'm trying to work through this insecurity in my past relationship. I struggled with this and I don't want that to be the problem in this relationship, things like that. So it should be perfectly fine and healthy for you when relevant to raise your ex-partners and talk about it and for it not to be a taboo subject. So a green flag is somebody that doesn't get weird or jealous or quiet or whatever when you relevantly need to talk about your ex or your past that doesn't include them. Some people are, are quite like retro. I've, and I've got a podcast about this. I highly recommend you listen to it if you feel that your partner's this. But there's a podcast on jealousy and one part of it is retroactive jealousy. And retroactive jealousy is when they're jealous of things that occurred in your past that do not impact the relationship whatsoever. So that's people that you dated, friendship groups that you had, experiences that you had where that person wasn't there. That is retroactive jealousy. So that's kind of what you're looking out for. Or the opposite of that. You're looking for someone that does not present with retroactive jealousy and they're more than happy for you to mention it and it's like a normal conversation. We love that so much. We are here for that. Number eight, they have healthy relationships outside of you. And by healthy relationships, you want to be looking for long-term friendships. Does this person have long-term friendships? They don't have to have a fuck ton of friends, but decent, normal, non-toxic, long-term relationships. That is so important and such an indicator of that person's personality. Massive, massive indicator of what that person is about. If they don't have, A, many friends at all, either they're fucking unfortunate or there's a problem there. And if they have these really intense friendships that come and go in their life, like a friendship that's like five months long, really intense, and then the friendship dies, and then another one, and it's always the, that friend's problem. Oh, they, they fucked me over. Or I, I, I'm off that person now. I'm off them. I can't fucking stand them anymore. Or I don't want to hang out with that person anymore. That is not good. So you want to look at the relationships. Do they have solid relationships where they have been there for their friends, their whatever, for a long time where they can rely on their friends, where their friends can rely on them? Green flag. Next, they are independent and responsible for themselves and their own thoughts. So the example that I'm going to use here is when a partner 
So I'm going to give you the opposite, the red flag version of it. An example that I'm going to use is with family. When a partner is so heavily and thickly intertwined with their family that their family's thoughts and opinions bleed into their own and they kind of can't pull away or detach. And this is how you know if it's their own thought or if it's their family's thought because you'll ask them a question and be like, oh, no, that's what my family thinks. Yes, but what do you think? Oh, like the same. It's like someone that feels the need that to back up their argument as to why they think or believe a certain thing, they, their answer is, oh, my family thinks this or my parents think this. Instead of them, even if their parents agreed, it shouldn't matter. I want to hear your evidence or your reasons. Not You saying that someone else also thinks that way is not evidence and it's not a reason. You know what I mean? So someone that doesn't question anything and is heavily, heavily influenced by their family and they don't have the independence to be able to argue with their family in a healthy way. They don't have the independence to be able to stand up to family members. That can be a massive red flag. So if you can find someone that, and it's got nothing to do with being close to your family, absolutely nothing to do with being close to your family. It's the opposite. It's someone that's controlled by family. And I'm using family as as an example, but it can be other things as well like a friendship group or whatever. It doesn't matter. But family is a really common one. Um, the, the reason why it's important to see that they can have their own thoughts and independence, then that shows that they are hanging around with their family because they love them, because they want to be around them, not because they feel like tied to them or dependent on them. Okay. The, uh, the problem with this, when someone is like that, is that they then will never put you as a priority. If they are not independent or can't form their own thoughts, then they're going to be very easily swayed by the family or the group's opinion. And they kind of just kind of go with whatever the family does or whatever the group does. They go with the flow. They don't stand up for themselves. And then when it comes to the crunch and it's something that is really important to just the two of you, then they're seeking too much external input to figure out what to do in a relationship. And that's where the waters can get really muddy. Okay. So look out for someone that is independent of in their thoughts and just their lives in general. Okay. Number 10, someone who does not challenge your boundaries. It sounds really basic, but that is absolutely crucial. Someone who doesn't make you feel guilty for having boundaries is fantastic. If you say, hey, look, this is kind of where, what I don't like, I don't want to do that. If they're like, I'll change that, I'll do that. No, 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 can't. you're not going to change it. It's a boundary. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Number 11, somebody that asks questions and listens and then remembers things that you said so they can either ask you about it at a later date or they can bring up something that you know indicates that that they were listening, you know. So it could be something that you mentioned that you liked something and then they remember that in the future. It could be something funny that you told them and then they retell that story or they bring it up in a context that's relevant, you know. That kind of shit is absolutely important. Pay attention to, especially if you're just kind of semi-dating someone now, pay attention to how many questions you ask them versus how many questions they ask you. I was once dating this guy for a very brief period of time and we were never never became exclusive or official or whatever, but it was for a couple of months on and off and I noticed that I knew quite a bit about his life and his family because I was always asking questions. I was really interested. But then I realized I'm like, this cunt doesn't know a thing about me. He never ever asks me a thing about me. I'd be surprised if he even knew that I had a sister or if he knew that I had even studied neuroscience. Literally, it was that ridiculous. And so then when I looked back, I was like, this is such a waste of time because it's just one way. Like, it's a one-way street here and and now 
knowing that, obviously I then realised that's not a very pleasant situation to be in. It gets to a point where you feel like you just absolutely are not validated in that relationship, okay? So pay attention to is there an even balance? Is it an even playing field or are you putting in all the effort, listening, asking all the questions, you know, like a a really in-depth look into their life and they know fuck all about you purely because they cannot be fucked asking, not because you're not opening up. Okay, number 12, they have the ability to give you undivided attention. I'm going to give you two versions here. Version number one, let's talk about if you're on the first date or the first few dates. It's very, very fresh. If this person cannot give you undivided attention on the first date, I'm talking about being distracted on the phone when you're trying to, mainly the phone is the big one, being distracted on the phone when you're telling them something on the first date, good Bye. If this person rocks up to a date and you can't even see their phone because it's probably in their pocket, green flag. This person is there. He's He or she or them, they are here for it, okay? They are wanting to listen to what you have to say. They show that you are a priority that night and they show that they are interested in what you're saying. If somebody can't do that on a first fucking date, be gone absolutely be gone. It is a non-negotiable goodbye. That shit can't be taught. You are either decent or you're not, okay? So it's done. You fucking give them the flick. Now, if we're talking you're in a long-term relationship, it's a little bit different, okay? Because distractions happen. You don't have to be on like on high alert learning about someone. You already know you're very comfortable with each other. You're obviously going to be on your phones. It's not like every time my partner's around, I got to put my phone down. So understandably, it's different dynamic. But what you should do is you should request their undivided attention. If you're telling them something, you could say, hey, look, I need you to just give me your undivided attention while I tell you this story because it like it really meant so much to me or whatever. If they instantly respond by putting their phone down and looking you in the eye and being like, yep, or they respond saying, hey, look, I really want to listen. Give me one sec. I've just got to finish this message. The Green flag. That's fantastic. If they then put up some sort of a protest or a big one is when they're still on their phone and they go, yeah, 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 I'm listening while still on their phone instead of saying, I actually don't give a flying fuck and it's probably going to be boring that I need to be semi-distracted while looking at my phone while you're telling me this story that meant something to you, they can get fucked, okay? I have no problem with people being on their phones and if I say, can I have your undivided attention and they say, look, not right now because I'm working on something, that's fine, But for them to go, yeah, 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 no, I'm listening while literally not giving me their undivided attention, then like you've not explained it, you've not given me a reason and and you've said you're going to listen to me when you're clearly not listening, that's not good. So that is a very, very good indicator of how willing someone is to put you as a priority. Number 13. This person, you want them to want more than just romance and sexual things in the relationship. They come to you for companionship. They come to you for funny things. They come to you for intellectual debates. They come to you to either help you with something or to ask for a favor. It's They look at it as a broader picture of a relationship, like an all-encompassing relationship. That's a green flag. If you're in a relationship where the only things you ever kind of engage in where it's like romance, 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 sex, 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 then you actually don't get a full picture of who that person is, their humor, their personality, all this kind of stuff. So it's really important that when you enter a relationship that you're trying to kind of broaden what it is that you guys spend time doing with each other. 
Because if it's just the sexual side of things, then you're not going to understand where people's strengths are, where their weaknesses are, where they might need to be supported, where they might need to be pushed, motivated, how you can be a better partner for them, where they can support you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Number 14, this is a big one, that you are not embarrassed and you are not analyzing yourself when you are around them. If you are constantly second guessing your, your words or you're judging yourself or you're like, oh God, how embarrassing I just did that. Oh my God, they, they, why did I say that? I'm such an idiot. Why? That means that you are not comfortable with that person. That means that either you are just super insecure around this person for whatever whole gamut of reasons that that could be, or that that person is actively intimidating you for you to feel that you are walking on eggshells. Either way, it's not a good sign that that's how you feel in that relationship. And often it's probably because that person might not make you feel comfortable or welcome, or they might make you feel that you have to be a certain way or behave in a certain way for them to be happy. If you are in a relationship where pretty much from the beginning you can kind of say whatever you want, you're not really thinking and second guessing before you speak, you feel that you can disagree with them, you feel that you're more than happy to pull them up, you're more than happy to have a debate, that is a green flag. Fantastic, we are here for it. Number 15, pay attention to how they treat everyone and if they treat everyone with respect, then of course that's a green flag. And there's that saying about the waiter like, you know, as if, if you, you pay attention to how someone treats the waiter at a restaurant and it gives you a good indication of what that person is like, which is true, but also look at it from a broader perspective, look at it from like a community side of things and, and how do they feel about like minority groups and how do they feel about, for example, okay, I was talking to my friend a few years ago, thank God she's not dating this guy anymore, but he used to genuinely be like, I just don't understand bisexual people. He's like, fine if you're gay, okay, but I don't understand bisexual people. And I said to him, I'm like, why do you need to understand it though? Like, what's the problem? Like, what, what's the issue here? And he's like, no, 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 I don't understand. I just don't like it. How can you go from like one to the other? It doesn't make sense. And I'm like, yes, but you're not pausing and analyzing your own thought process here. What is the need or the importance for you to understand it in order for you to accept it? And the dude was just so, he's like, nope, this is just my culture. This is how I'm brought up. This is it. This is that. Anyway, the conversation ended and I was like, whatever, like you date who you want to date. But in my head, I'm like, you would be dumped on your fucking ass if that was me. I wouldn't... That wouldn't fucking fly. I would never, I could never date someone who's homophobic, someone who's obviously racist or who puts down any group of people whatsoever. So really pay attention to this person's views on people that are not like them as well. So it's not just the waiter. It's not this. It's not that. How do you approach people that are not like you? Are you in a privileged position and are you are you milking the fact that you're in a privileged position? That kind of shit, okay? If they talk to everybody the same, if they don't blink when someone's different to them, green flag absolutely says a lot about their personality. It says a lot about how they treat other people outside of their inner circle. Now what I'm going to go into is things that are not green flags, things that they don't have to do in order to be a good partner. They don't have to do these things and they can still be a good partner, okay? Number one, they don't actually need to love your hobbies. They don't, okay? They, 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 sh- they have to respect them for sure. They can't be like, oh, I don't find it interesting so that it doesn't deserve respect. Not at all. They should respect it. They should love that it makes you happy. But this idea of like, I want you to show interest in the things that I'm interested in. Why? Let them live, can't. Like just if they don't want to do it, 
Why do you want them to do it? As long as they respect you, that's all that should matter. So don't think that somebody, in order for them to be a good match, has to like your hobbies. That's ridiculous. Now, additionally, they also don't need to join you in everything that you do. But they should, obviously, like I said, the green flag is, yes, they need to give you the space for you to go and do it. But it's not this idea that if they don't want to join you for it, then they don't love you. That's not the case at all. If they genuinely don't want to be somewhere, that's not a red flag. You don't, don't force somebody to do something or be somewhere. Let's kind of pull it apart. There's one thing that's putting in the effort with your partner. For example, I want to put in the effort to get to know your family. I think it's important that our families are close. I, you're really tight with these people. I'm going to put in the effort. That's one thing versus you making your partner do something that you know makes them uncomfortable. Like you should come clubbing with me even though I know you hate clubbing, but I love it so much. Why can't you just do me this favor? That's ridiculous and extremely unfair because why would you want somebody, like why would you want your partner to be uncomfortable so you can be comfortable and you would be comfortable without them being there? So it's this idea of like, I would have fun with or without you, but I want you to be here so I can have more fun, but you having no fun. That's like, I want you to suffer so I can have fun. It's ridiculous. So if your partner genuinely doesn't want to be somewhere, don't force them to be somewhere. That's not a red flag. Just let them be. That is different to your partner never putting in effort where it matters. And like I just said, use like meeting the family as an example. There are differences there. And then the second last one is they don't have to accept you for who you are in every aspect of you. Okay. That's actually... Expecting someone to accept you wholeheartedly for who you are, take it or leave it, that is actually a toxic trait, expecting that for your partner. So if you think that oh, in order for the partner to be to love me and in order for them to be like the match, they have to just accept me wholeheartedly, not at all. A healthy couple should pull each other up and encourage growth in each other, okay? You don't want them accepting all your traits because some of the traits you might have picked up previously in a toxic relationship and it doesn't make your partner bad for saying, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to accept that. I'm not going to accept that behavior. I'm not going to accept you being toxic or I'm not going to accept you being extremely insecure and having to like check my phone and shit like that. They don't have to accept that. That doesn't make them a bad person and it doesn't make them whatever. So don't think that in order for a partner to be the right partner, They have to accept you for who you are as you come. Nothing's going to change. That's entitled and ridiculous in my opinion. We should all be willing to grow and change for the better and a partner hopefully will bring out the best in somebody, ideally. Now, the last thing that I want to talk about is the concept of butterflies, the feeling that you get with butterflies. If you are getting butterflies, once you've kind of gotten to know this person, that's actually a red flag. That's actually anxiety Um, disguised as excitement. You're actually anxious and nervous because you don't know how to act around this person who's likely toxic or likely makes you feel uncomfortable in your own skin. Butterflies on the first date, sure. Butterflies for the first few, you know, when they message you and this and that, that excitement, yeah, okay. But if it's happening months in, years in, that's a fucking red flag. It's not a green flag. It's actually the opposite. It's not a good thing to feel this nervousness. And I think we've all been kind of taught through movies and through this and through that, that butterflies are so good. And if you still have butterflies well into the relationship, then the romance is still alive. No, you want to feel calm. Your partner should represent calmness 
to you. You should feel that you can go to your partner, be you know, completely transparent and honest and open and vulnerable and you're not going to be shut down or attacked. And even if they do want to pull you up on something, it's done in a gentle and understanding way. You want to feel that you can completely just not have to filter things with your partner. And that's, you know, like Tyrone and I, I pull him up on certain things, but it's always in a very calm and, you know, spoken way where I'm like, hey, let's let's talk about this. Do you agree? Do you not? And then we, we discuss things and then we come to some sort of like solution. That's, and, I, and then, and I always ask him as well. I'm like, feel free to pull me up as well. Like, tell me if something's frustrating you and I'm more than happy to discuss this. So at least I could know about it, you know? That's that's how you want to feel with your partner. If you get butterflies and you feel like you're walking on eggshells all the time, then that might be an indication to you that something doesn't sit right, that you are uncomfortable for some reason. You are anxious about something or you're avoiding something, okay? So just be wary of the butterfly thing. If it They should fade. Butterflies should fucking fade, that's for sure, okay? Guys, thank you so much for tuning in today. Love you all so much. Um, yes, I'm going to put up another a little question box of what other topics you would like to be seeing in the podcast. I always want to just like um, keep in touch with what it is that the listeners like. I'll do it on the, I, I often do it on the Instagram, but this time I'm going to do it on the Facebook page. If you're not already a member, just go to, um, do you fucking mind with Alexis Fernandez? And you just got to answer like a couple of questions. Um, and then you're let into the group, of course. Um, thank you as always. I love you, my beans. You guys keep me young. You give me life. Honestly, actually fucking love our community so much. You guys are the, the real MVPs of the world. Anyway, as always, be kind to yourselves, be kind to your brains. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke.